welcome back to SEMA's podcast, Y'all Ready for This, where we talk about all things emergency preparedness to make sure that you and your family are ready for any type of natural or man-made disaster right here in Chatham County. This week, we are blessed to be joined by all SEMA staff. We have our, our office manager, Stephanie Cox. We have our assistant director, Randall Matthews, and brand new to the podcast for the very first time is Mark Adams, who is our logistics specialist and planner. So thank you guys so much for being here for this SEMA party. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Glad to do it. So you guys, this week, you wonder, like, why do we have all these SEMA staffers here? What in the world are we going to be talking about? We're actually going to be talking about damage assessment and the process of what it takes to have a federally or presidentially declared disaster. So it's done through a whole slew of different things. Damage assessment was one of those first pieces that plays a big role in it. So let's get started with our very first question. What in the world is damage assessment? How is it conducted and why do we need to do it? Well, Chelsea, damage assessment is a process we use to evaluate property damages to assess the cost and or loss to infrastructure, property and equipment. It helps us in requesting disaster declarations we also use it to identify resources and support that's necessary following a disaster emergency. Damage assessments, we conduct those following a disaster emergency as soon as it is safe for our assessment teams to access any affected areas. All right. So um, Chelsea, you threw out the term presidentially declared disaster. Can you guys tell us um, what that means and what kind of role it plays when we discuss individual and public assistance? Well, there's actually two different types of disaster declarations we can get. We can get one for individual assistance, which will help the individual homeowners or renters throughout the community. And then there's also one for public assistance. So that's gonna be helping refund uh, damages that could be done to government facilities or expenses incurred by governments. So throughout this damage assessment process, there really are two separate processes we look at, uh, specifically geared to assessing each one of those particular categories. So with individual assistance, there is no monetary threshold that we need to hit. So it's all based on how the community is impacted and their ability to recover from a disaster. On public assistance, on the other hand, there is a monetary value associated with that that we have to hit. So we need to go through and tabulate all the different types of damages that have been done for public assistance throughout the entire community and determine if that meets the threshold necessary for a potential disaster declaration. So it seems like there's a lot of work that has to be done for a presidentially declared disaster, damage assessment being one of those. Can damage assessment be done for a smaller disaster? Maybe not something that we would be looking at getting a presidential declared disaster, maybe like a tornado? Well, of course. Uh, damage assessments are conducted following any incident that could result in damages. Could be large scale events, hurricanes that require multiple teams throughout the entirety of Chatham County, or it could be smaller events such as a tornado, spot flooding that only impact a specific area. So let's think back over the last five years, um, starting with Hurricane Matthew and then the other various uh, events that we've experienced since then. Um, beginning with Hurricane Matthew, what did damage assessment look like then and what was the process like? It was a lot different back then. 
So back in Hurricane Matthew days, we actually had a paper-based form that we're going through and we issued that out to different damage assessment teams and they would go throughout the community, record the information on pieces of paper, uh, take pictures with digital cameras and then bring all that information back to the emergency operations center. Uh, this worked out fine for a lot of our smaller events. It worked out great in exercises as well. But when we came to Hurricane Matthew where there's so much damage throughout the community, there really was a, a backlog of information within the emergency operations center. It became very difficult to see which areas had been assessed and had not been assessed. Uh, matching up pictures with damaged homes was very difficult as well. So uh, during Hurricane Matthew, it was very apparent that our current process was not adequate to get the information we needed to make actionable decisions on our response recovery efforts. So we actually changed the way we did our damage assessments uh, mid-Hurricane Matthew on the response phase. And we developed a, an electronic collection method of this information with uh, coordination through the Chatham County Engineering Department. So they put together uh, an app for us and we were able to go through and rapidly collect information. Um, and it worked out much better, much smoother. We're getting information real time into the Emergency Operations Center. So after Hurricane Matthew, uh, we said we need to go back to the drawing board and figure this out and make sure our processes work much quicker, make sure the Emergency Operations Center gets the information we need uh, in an instant manner. And then also we need to make sure it's user-friendly for people that are collecting information in the field. So we went back and uh, started doing that electronic collection process. Uh, we also incorporated social vulnerabilities into our damage assessments. Uh, so we can find out areas that are a priority to assess first. So those would be areas that uh, need a little bit more assistance. So we make sure we have a good picture of what's going on there so we can provide the appropriate amount of support. So after Hurricane Matthew, we uh, spent the next several months going through and revamping this whole process. We've trained uh, you know, dozens of teams throughout the community and as luck or Disluck would have. Um, we had Hurricane Irma uh, just 11 months after Hurricane Matthew. So, uh, good news with that one is we had uh, tons of teams that were trained, ready to go in this new process, and it worked out flawlessly. And it was pretty incredible to see the amount of damage assessments that we did in just such a short period of time. Uh, we actually looked at over 77,000 homes in a period of three days and uh, is a total of 91,000 after five days of doing damage assessments. And this was all done with less than 50 people on the ground getting this information in. So it was a very quick process. It gave us a clear picture of exactly where the damage was and that helped us on those uh, initial response recovery efforts. That's amazing. Yeah, Randall, that's incredible. And it's so exciting for you to talk about this transformation of the damage assessment program from paper forms in 2016 to less than 11 months later, having a program where you can assess almost 100,000 homes in less than a week. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So let's talk about this current program. How does it work? How do they, what, who is responsible for damage assessment? And what do those teams look like? And, and how are they broken up? Well, you know, as Randall said, it really is a team effort. It takes everyone to get this done, especially within the time frame that we're looking at. While SEMA is responsible for the county damage assessment program, uh, 
We use our partners with engineering and our local municipalities to get the job done. We do oversight, we do training and management, but our local partners identify personnel to conduct the actual assessments. Each municipality and county jurisdiction is responsible for their areas and we retain oversight. It truly is a total team effort. That's great. So Randall, you touched on briefly that the damage assessment team share information back to the Emergency Operations Center or the EOC. Um, how do they share that information back? And what, did the, what does the EOC do with it when they receive it? And do the teams have to have any special equipment or is there any special equipment involved in the EOC? Well, um, a good thing is we don't need to have any special equipment. Uh, as we could say, there's an app for that. So it uh, works on any uh, platform out there we have on cell phones. So if you have an iPhone or an Android, it'll work on any of those or an iPad. Uh, yeah, we can use this app. And as long as we have in, uh, a cell phone signal, we can, in, we can get that information and transmit it back to the EOC in real time. So uh, within a matter of seconds, as teams are going through and doing these damage assessments, uh, we can see that information in the Emergency Operations Center live. So this will show us you know, what level of damage this home or property has received. We can see if there's been flooding in it. And this helps us kind of gear that whole response. So uh, the good part with using these cell phones is this is everyday equipment that people use and operate. There's not a whole lot of special training required to, to document it, uh, but we do have that training program in place to make sure people are familiar on how to use it. But we don't need to uh, have any specialized piece of equipment that people only touch once a year. This is something that people touch, you know, a thousand times a day. So it works out very well for us. That's really cool. I like that we can just use a phone that we keep on a regular basis. That's fantastic. So let's say I'm going to knock on like every piece of wood in my office, but let's say there is some type of disaster that happens and our listeners see some people out in marked vehicles and they're taking pictures of homes and they're doing these damage assessments. Is that their time to go up and talk to these assessors and ask them what's going on and, and what decisions are being made in the community? What, what should they do if they see one of these damage assessment staff members? Well, Chelsea, our, our damage assessment teams are trained to go in quickly and efficiently and get these done. Um, we try to get them down one home or residence for every minute. So they'll see two people, they'll be in a marked vehicle. Uh, one will be driving while the other is inputting the information into their phone or tablet. Um, we, they're told to stay off of private property. Uh, so sometimes they can't always do a full assessment. If they can't see it, they can't really assessment. So we would ask residents not to stop our teams unless they have knowledge of areas that might be uh, inaccessible uh, from the road or the sidewalk. So if maybe in their backyard or a fenced in property. So if our teams can't see it, it would be okay to come up and tell them about this damage they can't see. But outside of that, no, we'd really like for them to be able to methodically move through an area and get these done as quickly as possible. Good to know. Thanks, Mark. So as we're wrapping up, um, you guys, is there anything else that you would like to mention about our damage assessment program? There is one thing I would love to bring up. Uh, after the damage assessments we conducted during Hurricane Irma in 2017, 
we actually received the 2018 Technology and Innovation Award from the International Association of Emergency Managers. Uh, this award, award was uh, given to us based on the, the process where we incorporated social vulnerability into our damage assessments. So this social vulnerability analysis broke things down to a smaller neighborhood level where we could kind of prioritize where we needed to send teams first. And this worked out really well for us because as we know, during some of these larger events, whether it's a tornado or a hurricane, there's gonna be damage. Roadways are gonna be inaccessible uh, and power lines will be down on the road. So we may need to alter uh, where we send these damage assessment teams. So by having a map of the entire county where we can say, hey, these are our priority areas we need to get to, if one team is not able to get to their top priority area, they clearly have a map of where they need to go to next. This way we can have those teams working uh, semi-autonomously and make sure we can get the information as quickly as possible. So that's why we're able to do nearly 100,000 damage assessments in you know, just a few short days by having this process in place that allows us to quickly and rapidly assess areas, get the information back to the emergency operations center, and that way we can send that information up to the state and federal government so we can look at potential disaster assistance and declarations. So that process worked out great um, and we ended up re receiving that 2018 award for it. So we're very proud of that. That is so cool. I love that there are different awards that you give people recognition for work that they were able to do. Not only did we develop this entirely new system, you know, in less than a year, but to incorporate some of the things that are most important, like identifying residents in areas that are a little bit more vulnerable that need a, need additional assistance and they need it first. That's amazing. So thank you for sharing that additional tidbit of information. All right, guys, I hope you learned a lot today. I feel like I certainly did. And I saw Stephanie like, yes, she knew that she was learning some information too. So thank you so much to our subject matter experts for joining us. And always, as always, Stephanie, thank you for joining and being an amazing co-host. Guys, listeners, be sure to tune in next week. We are bringing in a brand new subject matter expert to talk to us from the Office of Insurance Commission. Sean Horace is going to be here to talk about fraud prevention and how you can make sure that you are safe this hurricane season from fraud when it comes to insurance companies and different types of things that you might want to be aware of. So be sure to tune in next week. Until then.